Twins Talk It Up podcast, where my identical twin brother and I share our thoughts and provide solutions for executives and professionals who want to become masters of speaking and communicating so that they can maximize their influence and impact. Yes, we are identical twins who happen to also be public speakers, executive coaches, and sales leaders. Our company, DSP Leadership Group, focuses on equipping leaders who want to speak with confidence and authority, all while using their authentic voice. Here on the Twins Talk It Up podcast, we present topics about communication and leadership from our perspective as individuals and as twins. Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. If you're a vendor, an MSP, or a channel leader, you're in for a special treat. We're really excited to have a thought leader within the vendor and managed services community today with us. Jake McBain is a principal analyst, channels partnership and ecosystem at Forrester but he's also one of our best friends. Let me, let me explain why. Jay has over 25 years of experience with a background in channel leadership, sales, marketing, operations, with a specific emphasis on indirect sales strategy and execution. He's covered a whole bunch of industry segments. He's been the CEO at Channelize, the former SVP of Community and Channel Development at Autotask, as well as a director at Lenovo leading North American channel sales. So what am I trying to say? If you are anybody that has to do with being an OEM, being an MSP, an ISP, and you have anything to do with the channels, you probably know who this individual is. Jay, welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. Well, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here and uh, appreciate that great introduction. Awesome. So from time to time, you'll hear David or myself speak. And because we look alike, we sound alike, we want to make sure that our audience in the podcast world know who's speaking. But one of the main reasons we wanted to invite Jay to the programs because of his vast knowledge and background in the partner recruitment, development, and acceleration through effective partner coverage. So what I'm really trying to say is it's all about the partner, 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 partner in the channel community today. And if you know anything about the background, even look at the back of his wall. Look at that big ecosystem that Jay has put together. Look, right. he knows anything and everything when it comes to having deep insight, not only today, but also what he projects is gonna happen in the future. I'm so excited to hear his thoughts about the future of the channel. So we wanna take this time to leverage his thought process, to leverage his mind and his experience when we sit down today on the Twins Talking Up podcast. Well, Jay, this is David and I'm really encouraged that Dan has invited you here to join us to share some of your experiences, your thoughts on the channel space and really cloud as a whole. And you've been a really a leading voice in that space and you provided incredible guidelines even through the health pandemic. Can you speak to what you've learned about yourself, Jay, and about the channel space through this uh, world global crisis? Yeah, it's uh, been an incredible change for, for everyone. Very early on in the pandemic, you know, the channel uh, was identified as, um, you know, obviously an important element uh, to keep the world working, to get people at home, get them productive. So they were you know, categorized as essential employees, as essential industry that uh, they could get the world uh, running you know, within 24 hours. And, and boy, did they deliver. Uh, the channel you know, weathered the, the, a little bit of the financial storm uh, and obviously helped customers. And we, we get to talk to 690,000 end customers at Forrester and they are delighted. We know that 64% of the entire industry is sourced via partners, but we know that 90% of the industry 
is assisted via partners. And, and we just hear it over and over again. Well, Jay, this is Dave again, and I appreciate you sharing that. And it's so true when this world was disrupted because of this virus, so many industries suffered. And there were those that figured out creatively how to pull together, how to leverage partnerships to make this work. Well, Microsoft has led the way in so, in, in so many aspects of this by going from a perpetual license to a subscription license and really emphasizing everything to the cloud. And for companies out there, other vendors, OEMs, uh, do you see them adopting more of this model and choosing to become more of a cloud focus with a subscription model? Or do you find that these older dinosaurs, so to speak, are still gonna try to stick it out and stay the course instead of following models like Microsoft? No, I mean, subscription and consumption is one of the top 10 Uber trends that is basically changing all of our businesses. And so at the high level, Accenture went out and talked to every CEO in every company, every country, every industry, 76% of them think that their current business model will be unrecognizable in five years. Wow. So you can imagine the toothbrush that you buy, the peanut butter that you buy, everything that you buy as an individual and as a business, those companies are rethinking as a service. The way you drive a car, the way you know your kids may never own a car, all these things are changing in front of our faces. In the business world, not, a, not only is software eating the world, and most software now, almost all of it, is moving into a SaaS model or product-led growth model, subscription consumption, usage-based, value-based, all the different business models are recurring. So this idea, and this is pulling, by the way, investors, this is pushing boards and C-level executives to rethink. So last year, uh, you know, obviously after Microsoft, we heard Cisco go all in and all 77,000 of their employees are all in 100% on subscription. You heard 30 days later, Michael Dell takes seven Dell Technologies, $94 billion, 100% into subscription consumption. A company that I worked at for 17 years, IBM, jettisoned their services group, managed services group into Kindrel last week and now are all in subscription with Red Hat, OpenShift, and AI, Watson. They're a subscription-based company. You know, Nutanix, a couple of weeks ago, was Lenovo, a company that's been on the journey for a few years, like HPE with their GreenLake. They announced that within a month or so, they're going to be all there. Not all in, but all there. That million-dollar HPE server is now $9,000 a month forever. And so from a channel perspective, we're in a new model. So if you're a telco agent, if you're a managed service provider, you've been running you know, a recurring business for decades. Yep. And now this slides right into that, but how you make money, the programs to support it, the relationships you have with the ecosystem, basically everything changes. And that's been a key part of my research over the last uh, couple of years. Jay, this is Danny. That is so fantastic. You know, just the way you're speaking and how we're talking about the industry and where things are going, it's it's amazing how fast uh, things have grown. You you said something interesting in, in, in what you noted in the past. You said that the first three months of COVID grew combined more than 10 years in the past. I I, I that just blows my mind how fast. Uh, things were able to grow during COVID. We know we see a lot of the smaller businesses go out a bit, go out 
uh, business. We see a lot of the smaller companies go out. We see a lot of the larger manufacturing companies trying to reinvent themselves. The restaurant industry, the hospitality industry all suffer. But yet in the e-commerce space, in the first three months of COVID, they have, they've grown more than they did the last 10 years combined. I, I, I couldn't believe that when I read that, you said that. I could not believe that. That is amazing. But you actually publish annually uh, this, this idea of the trends in the channel space. And you said that some of their 2021 trends included uh, really the, the, how fast everything was going to grow. You talked about the pandemic, forcing companies to think about human-led and human-reliant processes, business yep. logic, workflows, all that stuff is like things they never even thought about before. Hey, things are looking good, time's looking good, but now they've had to rethink things. And then you also talked about how influencers and super connectors that this is going to be the new digital gateway to earning trust, endorsements. I mean, we, right now we think about TikTok, we think about Instagram, we think about all these actors going out there and showcasing a product and advertising a product, pushing it. Man, this new age of influencers and super connectors, can you talk a little bit about that and how they're really changing this landscape compared to the past, maybe? Yeah, I, it's one of my you know, fascinations. I would say it's a hobby much before I became an analyst. And you know, five years ago, I published a list of the top 100 people in our industry. That was an algorithm, not just who I thought was pretty cool and you know, pretty, you know, had big Twitter followings, but it was actually an algorithm based on influence. Mm. And so since then, I've honed in on what I call the 14 spheres of influence. I love to see an MSP how they make a decision to partner with a vendor. I, I love to see you know customers as they walk through their early 28 moments before they get the, the confidence and knowledge to make vendor selection. Who owns those 28 moments? Which of those 28 moments are most important on a sliding scale? How can you attribute those moments to the point of transaction? And who's most important from influence? But then I started publishing the list because I follow so many things. I know that there's 143 social groups not just the Facebook and LinkedIn groups, uh, groups that we know and love, but I know that there are uh, Reddit and, and Discord and Slack channels and, and now Clubhouse. There's all these areas that people are getting together digitally. You know, I talk a lot about podcasts like this one. And if you have 20 minutes to go walk the dog or you have 20 minutes to, to go drive somewhere, where are you going to go and invest your time to up-level your skills and, and to, to learn more? I talk about the 59 magazines that people read. And I go around all these 14 spheres of influence and actually list them out and start to score them and say, if you're going to, you know, for example, we built research around the future of buying. You know, today the tech industry is a three and a half trillion dollar industry. It's doubling in size this decade. So as we walk out of the decade, it'd be seven trillion. So in that tech buying, when people are buying hardware, software, and services, we're getting so refined now at understanding the actual buyer, the buying committee around them, and every move they make through the average of 28 steps to making vendor selection. We understand the psychology, the behavior, the journey. And for a lot of companies, this is pretty eye-opening, that the ecosystem you build and the relationships you have with the people that own those 28 moments, because in a majority of cases or in all cases, it might not be you. They may never read your ebook. They may never come to your website as one of the ways they get that confidence to make a vendor selection. So now we have companies, big companies that are losing deals without ever knowing there was a deal. 
we have partners out there calling on the wrong person because 65% of software today is bought in the lines of business. In many companies, the head of marketing spends more on technology than the head of technology. If you're not serving that head of marketing, you're not getting in at the ground floor and getting into that you know, large tech budget. But I'm trying to figure out who the five people on average are that surround that very specific buyer at that very specific company in their sub-industry, in their geography, in their segment, and in the product areas that they're looking at. There's 35 million permutations, and there's five partners wrapped around each of those 35 million permutations. So here's the future of the channel. Here's kind of what, uh, what companies have to rethink going forward. That's fantastic. Hey, Dave, I know you want to jump in. I saw you, you, know, saw you about to say something. Uh, I, I want to jump in there real quick. This is Danny, by the way, audience. Um, when I thought about in the past running an MSP and running a VAR before starting my IT services company and, and, and the distributor company that I have, that I have today, uh, we did a lot of co-managed IT within the IT department where we partnered with the CIO, uh, partnered with the VP of IT in order to do certain tasks and projects to take over on a day-to-day -day basis. But one of the things that we found, Jay, and I'm so glad you brought this up, is that we found a great opportunity to partner with the CMO as well. So down in Vegas, we partnered with the, uh, not going to tell you the hotel system, but we partnered with a hotel system down there where instead of them going through the process of getting a couple of servers in order to basically ingest data, apply machine learning algorithm process to it, creating a dashboard to look at what we call the use, the buyers, right? The users, which slot machine, where, how far does it need to be away from the ATM machine in order to keep people happy? What type of reward system to keep them incentive to keep, to keep spending money at the slot machine? Um, they said that it took about a month to get a server, two servers. They have to um, send a request into IT. IT has to schedule it within the data center. They have to find space within a, a 42U rack in order to install it. They have to get the connectivity going. Then they have to call CDW or, or Ingram Microtech Data, some of the bigger guys, SHI out there, zones, for example, to order that specific server. Once they get the server, then the IT team has to reschedule, put the image on, put everything out together, then open it up to marketing, which they have to ingest their own IP internal data as well as open data that's in the public, ingest it together. It has to be large enough. And then of course, from there, they have to provide the machine learning out there to spit out a dashboard and then they have to push it out. Within that whole process could take a month, two months, three months, depending on how busy IT is. When I came to this, I said, look, we can spin up a couple of VMs. We can go ahead and set up a data warehouse within Azure. We can get everything up and running. By the way, it still falls within your budget. You never even have to talk to uh, get that much approval from IT. It was boom, done just like that. So you're absolutely right, Jay, that there are a lot more decision makers today in individual business units that have the power now because of the cloud, because of the ability to do their monthly budget and the way they do their spend, where they can not necessarily bypass IT, but as you said, sometimes even spend more than the head of IT does when it comes to technology. So I just want to throw that in there. It is real, it is true. We faced it in our own organization within, uh, within the head of marketing down in Vegas. It, it is absolutely true. You're absolutely right about that. Yeah. So 10 years ago, we used to spend time talking about shadow IT and rogue IT and you know how CIOs need to go stamp that out and consolidate and compress it all back into their own. That's absolutely false because today, 65%, two-thirds of every dollar is initiated and spent outside of IT. So in many cases, IT is really uh, playing a federal government role. You know, we need to build infrastructure. We need to secure the borders. You know, we need to we need to do these things. But the business should be running through the business leaders 
And now 51% of the time of that marketing leader, the finance, the operations, the AR, the sales, the customer experience, all the 12 lines of business, they're now spending 51% of their time on tech. So everyone is a technology or technologist, and they happen to be doing other roles in their spare time. So to that CMO and to the research that we're doing, just to put some numbers against this, you know, not only is two thirds of the dollars spent that way, but they are frustrated in many cases with IT, which is the length of time you talked about, the jurisprudence, the amount of due diligence, all this extra stuff that they're actually going out and leading the charge and avoiding IT 29% of the time. Mm-hmm. So, so IT has to you know, become their own customer experience group and serve their internal clients with that same way that maybe a SaaS company would, a company like Microsoft, everyone needs to be thinking about not only external customer experience, but internal customer experience. We'll be right back after this short break. We wanna thank our sponsor for today's episode, Live Love Thanks. Live Love Thanks helps purpose-driven women leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs to permanently eliminate clutter and end stress and overwhelm so they can move forward in their careers, relationships, and health. Visit LiveLoveThanks.com for impactful coaching and program professional women. I am delighted to announce that App Meetup's customers can now benefit from the presentation and speaking training courses with our integration and partnership with DSB Leadership Group. DSB Leadership Group is committed to providing training and resources to support professionals becoming more effective communicators and increase their impact and value. And that is the reason why App Meetup and DSB Leadership Group have formed a partnership to make sure that our MSPs, which is you, can be effective and powerful speakers in the community. Whether you are hosting a major conference, a specialized training, or a year-end corporate event, finding the right keynote speaker or breakout speaker should be at the top of your priority list. Partner with Elite Speaker Services to book speakers according to your specifications and needs. Elite Speaker Services has the depth of speakers and the experience to bring you peace of mind and a successful event. Go to EliteSpeakerServices.com for all your event needs. Let us deliver the message your audience needs to hear. Let us deliver beyond your expectations. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners. 20% off products or services on our website. Just send us an email with the subject line podcast and we will send you that special discount code at dsbleadershipgroup.com. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. Yeah, this is David J. And, I, and I'm loving where our conversation is going. And I appreciate Dan even jumping in because this is real life experience. This is what you guys are seeing and what organizations are facing. And it's so true. If we've got to wait a month and a half, two months before we can get a solution in place, that's a lot of revenue lost. That's a lot of experience that's really challenging for the people that are in those positions of, of influence and power. I, I wanted to kind of dive in a little bit more. I'm, I'm really blown away by your passion for numbers, your passion for creating lists, 14 spheres of, of influence. I, I want to get you back just to talk about that, because I think there's something about understanding 
the makeup, the characteristics of who you're going after that can really shape an organization, how they buy, how they uh, build, et cetera. But you, one of your lists, you actually mentioned this in the very beginning, Jay, your Uber level trends. And you do a top 10 list every year. But in this Uber level trends list that you had affecting the channel, you stated that companies that take advantage of, of these trends and accelerating trends will be the ones growing at triple digits. And the fact that you can say triple, people get excited about it. What do you mean by triple? And I mean, I mean triple, not incremental growth. We're talking about incredible growth. But you talked about two, uh, or at least in the top 10 list, there are two things I wanted to bring out. Buying is changing within the space. You talk about the psychology, the behavior, the journey, but you talked about the buying power of millennials and how that's changing and shaping uh, the space. So I wanted to ask you to, a little bit about that. And also, if you can, how do you look at the ecosystem orchestrator as the new trusted advisor? Why has that taken more of a precedent? So I wanted to kind of get you to touch on those if you don't mind. Yeah, so let's go back to the buyer. Uh, you know, we did a big piece of research on the future of buying, uh, yeah. specific, specifically B2B, business buying versus consumer. And we came to the conclusion, I'll save everyone a thousand pages of reading. Uh, we came to the conclusion that the future business buyer, the future buyer of hardware, software services is gonna look a lot like a consumer. So we all have the experience as consumers. For example, the last time you bought a car, you went, you could almost probably rhyme off for me those 28 moments you spent, the, the car and driver, going to YouTube, going to your neighbor, going to your peer group, going to your friends, going to social media. I mean, you jumped around 28 times. You had 365 brands of cars you had to get through in 62 companies until you kind of narrowed it down till you're ready to walk on a dealership uh, floor. And at that point, everything broke down for you because you had this great digital journey. You know the invoice price of the car. You know the back-end rebates. You know within $100, you know what you're going to get out of there with and the exact car, you know it better than the salesperson ever will. But then they sit you down for eight hours, you know, working with the manager to get you a deal. And you look at this thing and go, I know what the end is already. I would have paid $100 more just for you to deliver the car and hand me the keys. So moving from a digital experience to a physical one is painful. Now, if you add on demographics, the majority of technology buyers in four years are going to be millennial. Yep. You have Generation Z now getting their first jobs out of college. We're going through our first major demographic shift from baby boomers you know, to Gen X to, to, to um, uh, millennials in, the, you know, in 40 years. So that's going to shift this psychology yeah. and the behaviors even further towards digital. And we have to rethink that that car buying experience is now shifting into the way we're going to buy business products and, and how that's going to go. And we're going to want and have the same expectations. So that was kind of a different psychology, different buying. And, and we have to obviously become more digital in, in everything we do and, and think uh, a, a lot about that. But, um, you know, two year Next point, um, it changes, you know, basically everything at that point downstream in terms of the way you think about this market, uh, the way you're, you know, thinking about it as a channel partner, for example. So if I'm going to, you know, think about what we just talked about, that, that marketing buyer or that sales buyer, you know, they might be starting their journey and, and going along those 28 moments and they end up at the Salesforce app exchange. Mm. Because Salesforce might have a cloud there that they're interested in buying. The average buyer will buy six other things on top of it, perhaps in that marketplace. But 
Salesforce, or maybe you started HubSpot. If you started at either one of those two companies, they've just shut down their resale program. They're not interested in flowing money anywhere outside of their marketplace. So as a reseller, as an MSP, as it, I'm not going to have a traditional um, transactional relationship with that vendor. But both those companies have actually published what they call their multiplier. So for every dollar of Salesforce, there's $4.65 available to the ecosystem. Not only that, they break it down into a pie chart exactly how the customer is going to spend money internally or externally to get the product to work. So I can look at that and I can compare it to my own company. I can look at my skills. I can look at my practices and I can compare how much of that can I represent in terms of that opportunity. So if the customer spends $100,000 with Salesforce, I'm looking at the half a million dollars it's going to take for them to get it to work. Yeah. Am I going to jump into the implementation, the integration? Am I going to jump into the security, the compliance, the data, the automation? Am I going to jump into some of the infrastructure? Where am I going to jump in some of the managed services that are attached to it? How am I going to charge the customer one, two or $3 for every dollar they spend? And that's a new frame of thinking. HubSpot, by the way, is $5.80 is, is their multiplier. And so Microsoft is out in the press talking about unlocking trillions of dollars for the ecosystem. You know, Satya, their, their CEO is a 23 minute long article going into depth, like decimal point accuracy of wow. where the channel should be thinking in the next decade. And by the way, laying it out in that type of frame that none of that is program dollars. So if you're looking to Microsoft for volume rebates, if you're looking for market development funds, if you're looking for new customer bonuses, that's all going to be there because they have a solid resell program. But those trillions of dollars that come in at 75% margins, by the way, are what are becoming unlocked. And you've got to look at those numbers. Go look at that report. They've got one from Forrester for every one of their products, somewhere between five and nine time multipliers. That becomes the future of how you recognize opportunity in this new world. This is Danny. That is fantastic. I love how you set that forward because what we do at our organization at Meetup as well is we teach our partners is to get away from the old traditional way of thinking. Go in all in on a vendor and then provide the services around it. As you stated so eloquently, Jay, 4X, 4.5X, 5X, 7 and 9X, Microsoft's done it for every one of their products. I mean, can you imagine being a small player, but yet in the industry, when anybody's doing anything and everything when it comes to artificial intelligence, robotic process automation, anything like that, they go, they go to you. You're the expert when it comes to implementation. They go to you for that. When you're thinking about anything when it comes to setting up uh, anything within Azure. So for example, you wanna go ahead and put a chatbot on your website and you want the chatbot to interact with your customers until you have time to put a live customer service agent on or live sales rep on. Wouldn't it be great if everyone knows in the future that you're the person that does the chatbots? It is so amazing. Instead of going out there selling a license, as you said, look, Salesforce, HubSpot, hey, we're not doing that anymore. You want to make money through us? We have data to show that if you specialize in doing these implementation servers, ongoing service, maintenance service, upgrading service, adding additional, additional functions or features to the template that we have as a base plate, there's so much more money you can make as an organization. I find that phenomenal. I don't yep. look at this changing technology and say, wow, I'm going to go out of business. I look at this as an opportunity 
to create your brand, if you're an ISV, if you're an MSP out there and say, I'm going to be the go-to factor for this. And, and, and we had Tony Sopoyo on, Dave and I, on our Twins Talk Up podcast. And right now he has sat assistance at, at a place where they're over a billion dollars. And he became the go when it came to Google. Right? He had a Google practice, he had a Microsoft practice, and he decided to sell the Microsoft practice, go all in on Google. And he is now considered anybody doing anything with Google, with any large scale migration, converting anything over to Google platform, Google is even saying, you need to go to SAT Assistance. And so I love that you have talked about that, Jay. And I want to encourage our audience today. Look, I know it's difficult going from a break, fix shop to a full managed service provider business. I know it's very difficult. What we do in our organization in partnership with IEMCP, with their partner to partner platform, with the partner opportunity group that they put together is we actually look at your data. And we tell you, this is where you should be focused on. This is where you should get your certification. Here's how you should go up the competency in your act from going silver to gold partner. And here's how you're going to make your money. No longer do you have to fear a, a partner leaving, a customer leaving you. You don't have to fear that anymore. Because your customers are other MSPs, your customers are other ISVs, your customers are the end users themselves because you are specialized partners. So I, I want to just encourage you guys today, take what Jay is saying, the insight that he has just provided, and go make it happen. If you need help, reach out to us, but go make it happen. Go specialize. Take those billion dollars, those billions of dollars that Satya has just talked about and how they have data to showcase that if you are willing to specialize, put in the hard work. Danny, where do I start? Start today on just one thing and then specialize on it, grow in it. And the next thing you know, you're going to become an acquisition target. Have you ever thought about that? Maybe one day because you specialize in these services that you become can become an acquisition target? Man, that is phenomenal. So Jay, thanks for sharing that insight. I'm sorry for going on a tangent, but mm -hmm. man, I am excited to be an MSP today, to be an ISV today, to be any type of partner. I'm excited for you because of what the future could be. Yeah, so you're backing into the orchestration part of the final part of the last question. And uh, let me put numbers behind orchestration. So you mentioned Google. Last week, Forrester published that report, which every dollar of Google that's sold out into the market today generates $5.70. Nice. You can go in and see to the decimal point where that money is, you know, assess your own skills, assess your own practices, but then go look at M&A and see if there's places that you can shore up in that. By the way, a little side story, Accenture, this is all they do. They make a business acquisition every seven business hours. If you go back through this year's acquisitions, the majority of acquisitions are digital agencies. Why would they be acquiring marketing agencies? Well, back to my comment, the marketing leader in many companies is now spending more money on technology than the head of technology. So who best to you know, own a seat at the table than somebody who's had a relationship with that CMO literally for a hundred years. Yeah. You know, 50 years ago, it was the Mad Men world and you're creating radio ads and, and things like that. They might've been building your website 20 years ago. They might've been helping you with SEO 10 years ago. Well, today they're doing the integrations, they're doing the implementation, the security compliance. So how does Accenture ask for more of that $5.80 in HubSpot or the $5.70 in Google? Well, they're acquiring the pieces and the skills and the localized talent to go ask for $2 and then $3 and then $4 for every dollar that goes into these big vendors. That's the way that even, uh, you know, the smallest MSP or the smallest VAR has to be thinking about their business. You know, they're not going to make acquire, you know, acquisitions every day like Accenture does. 
but you got to be thinking through the lens of if I want to partner with Microsoft and go get, you know, unlock those, those dollars, trillions of dollars, by the way, T, uh, if I want to go unlock those dollars, you know, I want to go find out where they are, what's most adjacent to what I'm doing today really, really well. I want to leverage the Microsoft program, education, training, certifications, competencies, take in some of their incentives and motivation, loyalty tactics to maybe pay me to do all this. Go look at the co-selling and co-marketing to give me the confidence to go ask for that money. And the next time my customer goes and spends $100,000 on something Microsoft, I should be thinking of how I'm going to quote $200,000 to get it to work. That's it. That's the equation. If I happen to resell it, you know, I'm going to get the margins that I get. And, you know, it, it's great in a subscription model when you make two bucks on every 365 deal. But the, the point of the matter is this is where the shifting opportunity is. Right. I mentioned this is doubling this industry. It's going to 7 trillion. You want to start thinking bigger numbers. This is the way to rethink it not in the logistical distribution-led supply chain way that we've thought about it for 40 years. Jay, this is David. And um, I'm going to pause for a quick second because I've really been inspired by your energy, your excitement, your enthusiasm for what you do. It's clear you're very passionate. And for what I do as a leadership communications coach and trainer is I help a lot of professionals, executives, business owners present themselves with confidence. Well, your speaking style, Jay, you could call it whatever you want, statistician, stat statistics, facts, numbers, you could call it what you want. But the passion that you have and the data that you're bringing to your speeches, your events, the fact that you've been asked upon over and over again to be a speaker shows me that your style is connecting with people in a way that I think drives this continual dialogue for organizations to shift, to shift their thinking. And for Dan and I, what we do, we might be genetically the same, Jay, but we're totally different how we approach speaking. Dan is literally swimming up the same direction, the same direction you're in. He loves the facts, he loves the numbers, and it's very powerful. When you can tell an organization, make this change, understand how to leverage your partnerships, understand how to get involved in the Microsoft or the Google ecosystem, it's going to make a difference. And you're able to provide the data. Who wouldn't want to change that? Who wouldn't want to make that difference? And that's what I'm really loving about our conversation. So I didn't mean to digress, but I just wanted to say I'm excited to be able to speak with you because I know that the energy you bring, the perspective that you bring really makes a huge difference to these conferences and these organizations. So I'm excited. I know that our audience is going to get that as well, Jay. I'll just say something there because it's, yeah. it's important. I learned something very early on at IBM uh, when I became an evangelist, when I became a futurist and you know got in front of my first yep. college and education style audiences and stuff like that. I, I took a piece of advice at that time, which has carried me for 27 years, which was people are going to forget what you told them. People are going to forget you and they're going to forget what you showed them. So get over yourself. Mm. You're spending the last hours before a presentation tweaking the words on your PowerPoint slide. They're going to forget all of that. If you're trying to, you know, press your shirt so you, you know, look, you know, the best, they're going to forget you, what you look like and your name. So just assume that on a mediocre presentation of which we sit through a lot of them, either on Zoom and now back in person again, they're going to forget everything. Uh, they won't remember this podcast. They won't remember anything about it. 
So if you knock it out of the park, absolute home run, you're swinging for the fences and you nail it. You just get all of it. You know, you, you got a 500 foot shot over the, they're going to remember maybe one or two things. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of this podcast, all the numbers that I ended up talking about in trillions and billions and millions, they don't matter as much as somebody maybe two weeks or three weeks later, looking back and going, you know, this decade of the ecosystem, I heard something from somewhere that, you know, this is really accelerating. Or, you know, when I'm doing my 2022 planning, you know, I heard that there was a shift underway and maybe I had to rethink you know, how I'm looking at this market and, and, and getting more than my fair share. That's the trigger. So if you get over yourself, if you get over the words and music on your slides, if you get over all the, you know, the, the talking points you're trying to get through and just assume everybody's going to forget everything, then you just focus on the energy mm-hmm. to get the one or two things that, you know, may trigger some gray matter memory sometime in the future that's all we can all hope for from a leadership, from a presentation style perspective. That is so true, Jay. This is Dave. And I'm getting more excited because now you're going in my realm and what I love to do. And what I tell my classes when I'm training, and even in the book that Dan and I have coming out, there's a section in there where it's literally titled, it's not about you. And if you can take that focus off of you and give that to your audience. And I believe without a doubt, your audience wants you to be successful because they're there on their time. They want it to be valuable as well. You're going to give the right energy and you're going to feed each other. You're going to feed the audience. They're going to feed you. And you're going to give them something that where hopefully, as you mentioned earlier, they might retain something. And maybe it's that one image, that one impression, that, that feeling that they took away from being with you that sort of keep them coming back and thinking of you in that favorable way. And that's why branding is so important. That's why it's so vital to not get caught up into making sure that every T is crossed, I is dotted, and did I say the right points, did I say, use the right inflections, or did you say it with an energy and connectivity that makes the entire group walk away thinking, there's something about Jay, I wanna hear from him again and again. And I think that's why it's so important. So I, I do appreciate you going with me down that lane a little bit. And I, and I wanna, I'll bring it back here because I know Dan's looking at me. I'll bring it back with this question, Jay. We, we, you've alluded to earlier, just the impact of the health pandemic and what COVID has done to increase e-commerce, to increase the need for vendors and distributors to provide white label solutions, better programs, more touch. And that's one thing that I really discovered. And, and, and we've actually addressed this in earlier podcast episodes where we actually had to say, when's the last time you touched your clients? When's the last time you went out there and provided more uh, resources and more client services and support for them? But I wanted to touch on this. You addressed this in a way where you talked about uh, distributors and vendors. How can they stand out as we're coming through this health pandemic as we enter to 2022, maybe this is a part of your top 10 list for 2022, I don't know, but how can distributors and vendors start to stand out in the midst of all this? We'll be right back after this short break. We wanna thank our sponsor for today's episode, Paul Jackowitz of pauljackowitz.com. For all your website design and management needs, visit Paul Jackowitz. That's Paul, J-A-C-K-I-E-W-I-C-Z.com. Are you projecting the right image to your market? Are you optimizing your name recognition and presence online? 
Elite Public Image is a leader in strategic communications and marketing solutions, ranging from public relations, brand communications, and content marketing strategy to social media and reputation management for businesses, professionals, and VIPs of all types. Whether you're looking to develop a particular brand or need a brand refresh, look no further than Elite Public Image. Visit ElitePublicImage.com and let Elite put their experience to work for you. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners for a free consultation over the next two weeks. Visit our website and schedule your free 30-minute consultation. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. Yeah, so there's a lot of numbers. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of clutter. You know, every day I get to talk to distributors and, and vendors and partners of all types. And I remind them, like, I understand that your security product um, is going to change everything and it's the best way to solve the problem. And you, you've invented the perfect mousetrap. But yep. let's take a step back. There's 4,300 security companies. Mm. 2,000 of them have channel programs. They have a portal. They have a minimum viable program. They've hired a channel chief. There's literally 2,000 people trying to knock on the door of each partner to get their foot in the door with their mousetrap. And again, we know that in this industry over 40 years, the best technology rarely wins. It's the best marketing. And now it's become, how do you get through the noise and clutter? It's the best community approach. And so everything comes to the grassroots. If I go back to orchestration, there's 175,000 SaaS companies growing to a million by the end of the decade. Today, there's 800,000 emerging tech companies growing to millions by the end of the decade. IoT, AI, automation, blockchain, quantum, AR, VR, AMR, whichever you want to talk about. There are millions of partners and millions more coming in. Hundreds of thousands of digital agencies, hundreds of thousands of accountants, hundreds of thousands of professional services, consultants of all types. Everyone is becoming a tech company. So in a world of millions of things, with 35 million buying scenarios. There's just too much. The only way you can do that, one way, by the way, is to run a Super Bowl ad and hope to get the most audience for $5 million. But that's tough to you know, sell a security product on a, on a Super Bowl ad. The other way to do it is break it down. There's just some, it's celestial. There's just so many star systems, so many things moving, and there's no control. There's no centralization. There's big star systems, you know, Microsoft owns one and AWS owns one and Google owns one and Salesforce and IBM and SAP. And all. I mean, there's huge galaxies out there, but understand that no one is the center of the universe, but all you can do is get closer to your buyer. If I want to go after a mid-sized clinic with a marketing buyer in upstate New York, and I start looking at Albany, I look at Syracuse and Rochester and Buffalo, I can take all those millions and millions and millions of things down to a few dozen. And by the way, I can start to predict who the five people, the five partners wrapped around that customer, start to predict those 28 moments. And I can start working at the community grassroots level. And this is where I turn it to partners as well. Your customer is going through those 28 moments. Your ability to, what we talk leadership and presentation style, your ability to get into that chamber of commerce, your ability to get into that local association, your ability to get into local media, 
your ability to get into the local social groups and peer groups and user groups, distributor communities, vendor community. There's 14 spheres that you should be thinking about in your business. You're not going to run a Super Bowl ad, but you can actually make the impact locally, earn your spot at the table, and go get your fair share of that multiplier. It all starts there. Once you're done with that mid-sized clinic market of 100 you know, mid-sized clinics in that region, move one over. Go over and look, you know, look at dentist offices or chiropractor offices. Go up and look at small hospitals. You can start to build a business in that region. You know, in the sub-industries under healthcare at 75% margins and become that company maybe that Accenture picks up you know, next year on, on, on their acquisitions or take yourself public. I mean, this is how it happens now. It's not top down. In marketing, getting into these 28 moments, Google and Apple have taken away cookies. So 99% mobile share and 86% desktop and browser share, these two companies own your customer's entry into the internet. So when you can't see this customer who wants to be anonymous through those 28 moments, all you can do is participate in those 28 moments or partner with the people that do own those moments. And that's the way in for partners, for vendors and distributors. You got to pick your market. Again, there's 35 million of them. So you've got a good choice of white space. Get very hyper-specialized and start making an impact where it impacts your customer the most. I love that. This is Danny. And I, I mean, this is really what I call a great blueprint. Uh, I love how you talk about all these security vendors out there and they're all fighting for the same customer and hopefully they have a good PRM system in order to, to help as well. But we had on our podcast not too long ago, Dina from SASMAX, and she has this thing what we call the dating profile, right? So if you think about eHarmony, finding the, the right profile, the right characters to give you the ideal partner you need to go after, that's what she did and she created a SASMAX. So if you're a security vendor or any type of vendor out there, uh, please don't just spam every partner out there. They're getting overwhelmed by vendors hitting them every day. I mean, Jay and I, we're at, we go to the same conferences, the same events, the same road shows, and there's 10,000 vendors over there all trying to get the eye of the CEO of, of this MSP and they're all like overwhelming them. So if you want to know like, the ideal partner, uh, make sure you do partner profiling, please, and, and save yourself some time. Go find the right, the right type of partner for you. And one of the things I love about the distributor model and, and the ways we're getting creative and Jay, you and I can have a side conversation. You can actually help us fine tune as well is we decided to create a lot of white label turnkey solutions for our, our MSPs where everything's ready to go out of the box. You don't have to figure out what SKUs to put together, which margins to stripe across all the products to see where your money's at. Because that's what MSPs do today. If I do this AV, this backup solution, this UCAS solution, I get three points of margin here, four points of margin, five. It's just too confusing for them, right? Yeah. They either need to change their business model, become a company that can be acquired by Accenture one day, or, or go out there and say, sell solutions already ready to go, pre-baked. And we, we found a lot of success doing that today ourselves. Um, but... I kind of want to change it up real quick because I know we're running out of time. But one thing I want to say that I find very amazing is that um, with my wife and I, we're both entrepreneurs and she and her own right has her own practice. She does a phenomenal job as well. And we sometimes compete on who closes the next deal or the next client offering, which is really uh, an interesting household conversation. Uh, Jay, how do you guys do it as well with your traveling, your wife's traveling a lot and you have amazing children and you have a, a great background? Do you guys, how, how do you find time to uh, continue with being excellent leaders? Because you both are very, what I call, thought leaders in the industry today and what 
you guys respectively do, but at the same time, how do you keep the, the, the family lifestyle together, the romance together uh, without losing track of continue to be who you guys are, which is really figures in the industry today. When I go in the industry and I talk about you or your, your family and your wife, I mean, everybody knows you guys. So how do you keep that up, but at the same time, don't lose track of what's really important behind the scenes that people don't see, which is the family life. How do you balance all of that? Because I think that's very important as a leader uh, in our industry today. How do you do that? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a crazy question and no one has the answer. And so, <laughs> you know, the, the lives we play on TV, the lives we play on social media are, are never true. Um, so she's just leaving right now to Orlando, which is a two and a half hour drive loaded up with a bunch of Cisco gear in the back of the SUV, you know, knocking on my door because you probably can't find the keys. Uh, <laughs> lots of things are going on. We just got back from Vegas. Mm -hmm. She was on stage, I think five times. I was on, you know, main stage a couple of times in front of 5,000 people. You know, we had to fly in uh, her mother from North Carolina to, to watch the kids. Yep. Uh, we're passing off the central calendar and, you know, we're each, you know, visible multiple mm -hmm. times every day driving this forward, driving this, you know, trying to drive this industry forward and working at this community grassroots level. Yeah. And in the end, it's messy. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of calendar conflicts. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of last minute, you know, I was on with Australia last night. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I pushed her off to the golf cart to go get the kids at school. And she had to pick up Chick-fil-A because nobody was cooking last night. Um, it, it's messy. And you look back and it looks cleaner than it was. But um, anyone who's in these types of roles, you know, you've got to have that partnership. You've got to have that, you know, kind of vision. And in the end, you got to focus on the kids. You got to focus on family. You got to have a really good list of what's important mm. and what could drop, uh, you know, ver versus versus another thing. So, you know, I, I don't think anyone has it figured out. And in the hallway conversations and the hotel lobby bar chats that we have, that the people that I do think have it really locked down are an absolute mess. So yeah, they don't. Yeah, it sounds like our house. So Jay, this is Danny again. Um, my wife and I, we, we, we have um, this funny thing. We have the shared calendar. I'm sure you guys have a shared calendar. Um, who's doing what days, podcasts, who's traveling where. Uh, she used to travel a lot as well in the very beginning. So we had to adjust our schedule, even to a point we, we, we got an au pair, which has been great and helpful. But even with the cooking schedule and the travel schedule, uh, one of the great things that we did is our kids were homeschooled for, for a while. When I was leading global channel sales, I would travel to Russia, <laughs> Singapore, and we would just take the family with us. And, and uh, I will tell you, it is chaotic. Um, and I, I will tell you, I don't know how other people do it, but we, we find a way to manage the soccer schedule with the kids. It, it's, it is a, it's a, always a balancing act, that's for sure, without a doubt. So uh, kudos to you guys for figuring it out and uh, I would say I don't envy any other couples out there that are doing it, but it is it is definitely a balancing act for sure. Yeah, I'll give you one final story because uh, she's heading off to Orlando now. It's kind of a Wednesday afternoon. Friday afternoon, she's still in sessions. You know, Cisco's a big sponsor of IT Nation, uh, et cetera. Uh, I'm, I have two older kids that are in law school. Uh, one's in Texas. So on Friday, I'm renting a car. I'm driving a motorcycle to this airport in Fort Lauderdale. I'm renting a car and driving to Orlando with the kids. I'm going to drop the kids off. She's going to try to take them into the event. I'm jumping on an airplane to Texas, going to go watch live in Texas. You know, I fly home Sunday night because I rented a car. I'm flying back to Fort Lauderdale. She's driving the kids back. She's taking them to Disney and SeaWorld over the weekend. 
and we all land home about four in the morning, you know, Monday morning, you know, within a few hours of starting work again. So the level of logistics that all of this takes and the push pins on the map and, and how to, you know, flex your points across hotels and rental cars, planes, trains, and automobiles is what we all live. Yeah. And it just, it's, you can look at it as fun. You can look at it as a game, but boy, is it stressful. And, mm -hmm. and, and boy, does uh, it take uh, extra work to coordinate uh, all these things. Yay, this is David. I'm, I'm loving it. And it's, it's so encouraging to hear that we're not the only ones going through that, right? Mm -hmm. But it's encouraging to see that the, the balance and the level that of communication you have to have with your wife to make sure you're all on the same page. And by the way, just on a side note, I love that you are passionate about college football. That's my thing too. So that's encouraging to hear, but I'm, I'm excited about it. And I, I really do hope that we're able to get you back onto a program because I want to talk more in a deep dive because we don't really address even the, the life outside of the nine to five, right? That you, you're still living, you're still building, you're still trying to lay a framework for your families, for your children, and really to understand that, that you're gotta be healthy and growing even at the home front. And so that might be something we should address and bring you guys on together. That would be a lot of fun. I don't know if we've ever had any couples onto our podcast yet, but we got to make that happen. But Jay, I want to thank you for joining our program today on, my, on behalf of my twin brother, Danny. Uh, we're excited that you can spend some time with our audience, with our platform, and for sharing your vision and your thoughts, not only on the channel space, but just even the trends for this year going into 2022. I want to encourage our audience today to really reach out to Jay. If you want to learn more about him, go to his YouTube page, go to his website, jmcbain.com, learn more about Jay, reach out to him. And if he can squeeze you in, he might bring his whole family and speak at your event. But Jay, thank you for spending some time with us today. We're so thrilled and honored to have you. Hey, I'm excited for next time. Twins Talk It Up, Couples Edition. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. Please subscribe and follow us on Instagram at DSP Leadership and visit us online at dspleadershipgroup.com to learn more about our workshops and trainings. We will see you on the next episode of the Twins Talk It Up podcast.